And for me, this was the most beautiful thing for our choir mm. to have as an experience because we're always telling to them, we're always telling them, it's not about how good you sing. It's not about how well you sing or how much talent you have, really. It's about the amount of work that you are willing to put in and the mm. amount of authenticity that you are willing to give the public. Hi there. Welcome to the Monique on the Mic podcast. I'm your co-host. No, I'm your host, Monique B. Thomas. And this is episode number six. I'll be speaking with great friends of mine, Crystal Petit and Jua Amir, who are incredibly talented people, uh, very prolific in the amount of work that they're able to put out. And they're going to give us some insight on how they deal with rejection, what's it like to work professionally with another artist, and so much more. I am so, so excited today. Please welcome to the show, Crystal Petit and Jua Amir. Yay, cute applause. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Good. How are you guys doing? How are you, Jua? I'm doing great. It's it's early in the morning. We are ready to go. (laughs) Lies you tell. (laughs) Okay. I'm doing great. I've already lived like five lives because you know I I get up really early. So I'm good. Had my coffee. I'm good. How are you? You lie. You had your coffees. Right. You had had coffees. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Listen, I'm, I'm so glad to have you on today's show. And you guys are such incredible artists that I honestly could have you separately. But the truth is, you're always together. You're always doing things together. And I felt like, you know what? Why don't I give an inside peek into what it's like to be an artist that kind of works with another artist that whose spirits are kindred and who just do every single thing together? Because I think that's interesting. Because often, as artists, we do everything alone. Yeah, you know, and I'm sure you all have your alone moments, but I just know from knowing you that if you see Jua, you're gonna see Crystal, and if you see Crystal, you're gonna see Jua. Unless she's up really early, then you ain't gonna see Jua because <laughs> Jua's a vampire. Go- or unless we're up really late and you ain't gonna see Crystal. Use <laughs> <laughs> myself for my own home event and be like, good night, uh-uh. right? <laughs> um, so. There's a lot of different things that we can talk about. Um, I want to talk about dealing with rejection because, um, honestly, you've done so much in your careers in Paris. You know, you're two Americans, expats, living in Paris, and you've had to carve out a place for yourselves. But I know that definitely comes with dealing with rejection. How do both of you deal with rejection? You want me to start? Um well, uh, I've had to deal with that a lot. Um, been here 23 years. So oh somebody's goodness. whole ass adult life. <laughs> I got to beep that out. <laughs> okay. Sorry. That's so okay. Strong, aren't I? No, no worries. No worries. Sorry, mommy. Um, yeah, but I've been here a long, long, long time and I've seen a lot. And it's funny because a lot of people that I come across, they're like, oh, you've done so much or you have so many accolades, you've done all these things, but what they don't see are all the things that I was not able to do or that I didn't get mm. um, for various reasons. And um, a lot of times when I when I first started off, I worked with a lot of artists, or, you know, a lot of up and coming artists, people who I felt may be, not have been as professional or as talented because mm-hmm. I'm learning to say that about myself yeah. um, at 45, as talented as I am. And you saw that they were 
you know, getting these amazing opportunities. And I just felt like, well, what's happening after a certain amount of time? I'm, I feel like I'm being stepped upon or not appreciated or undervalued. And so I'm not someone that kind of wallows too much. And so I would find myself going on to something totally different to the next thing until until I really, you know, got to a place that I felt um, I deserved. So I'm very resilient. Mm-hmm. Wasn't always easy, but I found that if I stayed in that like dark place, like, oh, woe is me, or if I turned on the TV and saw somebody that I, I knew got there, mm-hmm. you know, you know <laughs> way, because <laughs> that happens, um, I would just ignore it. I would just really ignore it. But that took some time. That wasn't overnight. Um, and then when that did happen, I found my tribe. I found people that I could, you know, bounce those thoughts off on and and they were there to uplift me and stuff like that. So I do think it's important to be well surrounded, to be surrounded by your people. Um, I think it's important to keep going. And I think it's important to know that what is for you will be for you, even if it looks like somebody's having a picture perfect life. Mm. You know what I mean? I've talked to some of these people that I came up with, you know, quote air quotes. Mm-hmm. And some of them are doing as well as they as may, Instagram you know, would have us believe. As Instagram would have us believe. Some of them have Grammys and they're mm-hmm. not doing well. You know oh, what wow. I mean? Them, what, yeah. What so, do you so what do you mean by not doing well? Do you mean financially, mentally? Health? Well financially that can happen to any of us. I mean mm-hmm. I know all about that. Yeah, um yeah. but I'm talking more emotionally, spiritually. Um, many life regrets, um, just different things like that. Things that, that, that I would have never guessed from what they project. Yeah. And okay. sit down and I talk with them, you know, it's been years for some of them that I hadn't seen some of them. And then it's just, it's just a shock. And, and, and then you realize at the end of the day, we're all human, but, um, so many people just, I don't know, people, they just fall in love with what they think is their real lives, but it's just a facade. And at the end of the day, these people are not any happier than some of us. Right. So it really brings it back home to me, like, Crystal, well, at least you got to do so many amazing things. You got to keep your integrity. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you have a pretty, pretty good life. So, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I just chalk that up to amazing friends, uh, being naturally resilient, I think, um, mm-hmm. and uh, hopeful. Okay. I, I have a lot of hope and faith. What about yeah, you? you? Well, wait, wait, wait. I, I, I'm, I'm going to get to Jua, but I, I just want to bounce off something here. You are definitely uh, like a ray of sunshine. You're always smiling, these big, big, big smiles. Um, so nobody would think, somebody that really knows you would never think that you were kind of like a sour grapes kind of person. Like, oh, like you said, the woe is me thing, especially knowing how much you have accomplished. Like you're thinking about, you're talking about the things that you haven't done. But when we look at the things you have done, it's it's quite amazing. But I love being able to talk about this sort of behind the curtain thing. Um, mm-hmm. While we never wish any artist any harm or, you know, anything like that, the truth is all that glitters ain't gold. You said it. It, it really isn't. So, Jua, tell us how you deal with rejection. Ah, rejection is an interesting concept. Uh, I think mm. pretty early on as an artist, I, I learned to compartmentalize to mentalize, compartmentalize. Oh Lord, this is going to be a whole lot of words that are going to be difficult because that's all right. We we got dictionaries. We <laughs> it is not. That I do not speak English. Let me just <laughs> let me just put that out there. It's okay. I got a decoder, and I, and I have been known to use an SAT word or two. But if it comes out Frenchified, please excuse. Me. No worries. But to compartmentalize judgment, I mean um, rejection, into two things. Um, first of all, rejection is not judgment. Um, Mm -hmm. and the second thing that I realized is that rejection happens on two ends. Um, the artist also has the power of rejection. Um, just 
uh, as the productions that you are auditioning for has the power of rejection. Mm. Just because I audition for something, first of all, that doesn't mean that I'm going to end up accepting it. Mm-hmm. So when I when I walk into the room already, I condition myself into a state of this is a two way street. I have accepted the part of the contract that says that I will come and sing for you or act for you or present my talent for you so that you can judge in the um, cad- in the context of the show that you're putting together if what I am presenting is appropriate or not. Mm. Um, I learned pretty early on that it's not a direct representation of how I perform or what I am as an artist. Right. It is always and and really only just about the pieces of the puzzle that fit into the puzzle that they're putting together. Right. So that's one thing. Nice. And then the next thing is that whole, I also have the power, you know, um, Mm -hmm. I will come and audition for you. And if you reject me, that's one thing, but you didn't really reject me because I don't know if I was going to say yes anyway. (laughs) I don't know if I like your show anyway. I don't know if these conditions are going to be great for me. And I don't know, you know, because that's the other thing. Like we, 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 we present what we have a lot of times without knowing the totality of the deal that we're trying to get into. And when right. the deal comes to us, sometimes we're like, oh, well, I, that's not my jam anyway. So right. I kind of, yeah, so I kind of try to put it into those two boxes. Afterwards, of course, there are times that I have been mm, rejected in a in a really crazy kind of way that mm-hmm. has thrown me off of the rails you know what i mean that has made me yeah. question uh, my artist my human being and, mm. and all of that but all that is part of being an artist if we can't look at those questions in the face and deal with those emotions then i don't think that we are going to be able to potentially facilitate our highest potential as an artist because our artist and the energy that we put in the atmosphere which is potentially transformative to the people that are also connected in the atmosphere, that comes from our life, our emotions, our pain, our confronting these choices and our confronting these uncomfortable energies and using ourselves as like a living painting on stage for people to be like, oh, so that's what that feels like. Mm. So there's that also. I, I, in some ways, I, I appreciate those moments of rejection, um, even when they're not easy. You said so much in there that I just absolutely love. I like the idea of, you know, you go in for a project that you think is a certain way, and on paper, it looks like one thing. And then you start meeting the people. You're like, oh, child, I don't know if we can work together. You know, I don't, I don't like how you run the ship, you know. And, and that is actually up to us. We have to stop as artists feeling like we need to accept every single job that comes across our desk or whatever. Um, and I know that's easy to say. Um, because I'm in a position, I've put myself in a position where I can say no to jobs because I am split between teaching and performing. So if I don't have enough uh, concerts or whatever, I'm never worried about it because I'm teaching not by default because I chose to teach and I absolutely love doing that. But that puts me in a privileged uh, situation where I can really take into account, you know what, do I really want to spend is this worth my time? Is this worth my blood, sweat, and tears to be out of my home, away from my kids, in the comfort comfort of my pajamas? Because <laughs> I like my pajamas. <laughs> um, to to be dealing with people that I don't actually like, yeah. you know, um, weighing that is kind of important. So I love what you said, and it's I I love that you say it's like it's not necessarily a rejection of you as a person, as an entity, as a talent. It's just, you know what, this doesn't fit into our menu. If you think of um, 
a, a menu. I'm always talking about food because food and analogies, everybody can get down with that because everybody eats every day, right? Some more <laughs> than others. But, yeah. you know, if you take a whole bunch of ingredients, let's say you take a hamburger patty, a hamburger roll, a pickle, and then a pancake. One of these kids is doing their own thing that doesn't really fit into it. Doesn't mean we don't like pancakes, just don't quite like them with a hamburger. You know? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I love that insight. Um, how is it dealing with <laughs> dealing with other artists? Now, first of all, dealing with you, you know, how did you guys get together and, and was like, oh, I like you. Oh, I like you. Let's just, because y'all are starting to look like each other. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, you guys have been such a, a group so long that I swear you look like brother and sister now. So how did you guys get together? Yeah. Do you want you want you want to take it or you want me to? Uh, well, we have a mutual friend, artist friend, and I vividly remember um, performing with uh, a group of Americans here in Paris. And correct me if I'm wrong, Joy, because you know I got mommy brain even ten years out. Monique was but, there. Huh? Monique was there. Monique, you were there. Where was I? Yes. Was, I was mean, this Anthony I mean, Hopkins? Yeah, it was no, it was with um, uh, uh, Denise King, American gospel singers. That was that. Oh, but um, this was before. This uh, was this was at the yeah. He got mommy brain then. Ain't <laughs> <laughs> uh, got no kids. <laughs> I think I think being an artist will give you mommy brain though, because you've got because your projects are your babies. Exactly. So. Oh, thank you. But we had a we had a gig at um the hotel that's by Etoile. I can't remember the name. It was a place that Linda used to play a lot. I was Linda, not there. You, no, you weren't. That's why I was like, what? What? I know what you're talking about. Uh, I know I'm short and little, but no, I wasn't there. <laughs> but um, and so I remember that Jua was in the audience mm-hmm. and I was I was singing and it was, you know, all Americans on stage. And um then we all took the taxi home and then we realized that we were Neighbors, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is ringing a bell, Drew. Maybe yeah. not. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> Anyways, I, you know, I, I loved the other group of friends and stuff like that. But I just remember thinking, this person is so different than any of the other people that I've ever met um, here in Paris, back home, but at the same time, so familiar, which is a very, a very odd feeling, you know. Um, mm. And so I was just like. Oh, well, we're neighbors, so maybe we should get together. So we got together and we would hang out and have a little glass of wine here and there and you know. Fried chicken. What did you say? Fried chicken. Oh. And fried wine and fried chicken. chicken. You you are chicken. you are Franco-Americans. <laughs> you know, we had that those that's our our world, right? And so um we 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 would see each other a lot and then we sang together and all this other stuff. And then we just, I don't know, we just got really close. So we, before we started working together, we were, we were already really, really, really good friends and really close. And then here I go with the idea of, of, of having twins. Because <laughs> people choose that. <laughs> exactly. And I just knew, I was like, wow, okay, I don't have, um, I don't have blood family here, but I guess Jua would probably be the closest person, you know, to, to my blood family here, along with a, a lot of the American uh, artists in Paris and stuff, but really like really, really Jua. And so then the, the boys came, I've got two boys mm-hmm. and um, I just remember, you know, I just remember looking up after he first met them when they were teeny tiny, they were only like a, maybe a couple days old. And I knew he didn't know the first damn 
Um, here I go. Sorry, mom. The first thing about having a baby, <laughs> but I was like, I trust you. You are their uncle. I now dub you their uncle. You know what I mean? Right. And so, you know, he, he, I don't know. It was just a natural fit. And it's one of those things like you just don't know how it happened, but it just, mm. you, I don't know, destiny, whatever you want to call it, whatever word you want to put on it. And then from there, um, you know, we had done some stuff together, even prior to that, some, some private events and stuff like that. But we mm. had the idea, Jewel was already, um, directing choirs and stuff. And then we just, he was house sitting mm-hmm. uh, in this beautiful space, you know, that had like, it's one of those atypical spaces that you would never know exist in Paris where they got like a floor and a half and the whole thing was like this jungle on the top of the, the oh, building. Wow. He was, you know, it was absolutely stunning. And so I would go over there um, and we just had sessions where we put together the idea of maybe having a, a smallish choir, you know okay. what I mean? Smallish, it, like how many people were you thinking? I was just hoping that, you know, that people, like 20 people would show up. You okay. know, I was like, that's a success right there. You right. know, we don't know who's going to come. Right. Up until then, I had done a lot of things on my own. I mean, you know, and you and I had already known each other through, like, we saw each other less in Bastille. We knew each other through song, song and, right. and stuff like that. And so, you know, we already had our solo things as well. Um, but when when we came, when Ju and I came up with the concept of, of, taking something that he had already been doing. And then I had already, you know, I come, from, well, they may not know, but I come from the church. And so it just felt like a natural fit. Sure. Gospel, you know, I grew up, I didn't have a choice. I had to be it. Mm-hmm. Choir rehearsal. You was at church. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I was in the kids choir at four. And so I kind of grew up with that. And I was like, oh, that could, that could be something, you know, transmission of, of, of that knowledge here. And then it just grew. And then it's like hit or miss. Cause I've worked with friends before. Huh. <laughs> now, yeah, see, you guys can't, you can't, you can't see her face, but you know that emoji where the eyes are up in the in the air, that one, the eye rolling emoji. Right. I, have, I believe me. I mean, it has not, it's not always a, a good idea to work with a friend and mm. sometimes even less a good friend because they may not be your good friend anymore. It just, it's just how it works out. And, 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 but it was such a natural fit for us to go from like, just, you know, being in each other's everyday lives to, mm. to working together. Yeah. So that's my take on it. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to hear your take on it, Jua. And we, and, and, um, it's, it's the same take. Like I remember when I met, I remember when I met Crystal, um, and she was at our house the next day. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, ah, nope, this person right here, that's my sister. I knew it from the first day that I met her. Um, it was the same, <laughs> it, the same feeling. Like, uh, you know, when, when, when you get here, you start to realize that a lot of people start to be the same people. And it's not because these people are inherently the same people, but they all adopt a similar way of responding to the atmosphere in which they find themselves. And a lot of times as Americans, what that manifests as is, mm, despite the fact that we're Americans, we're not really going to hang out with each other. We're not really going to talk to each other. We're going to be a little bit mm. shady when we see each other on the street. Mm. I don't know. That's a whole nother podcast. Ooh, a whole, that, that's a whole series. That's a whole that's a season. <laughs> that's a season. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's deep. That's deep. And mm. when I met Crystal, I, I was like, oh my gosh, she has no trace of that energy. Woo! Um, and when I heard her sing, I will never forget what I felt on the inside. Mm. And it was, it was such a long time that I had been, oh, that a voice had cracked my heart space. Like, oh, wow. And it went, pew. And I was like, oh, no, here comes the, here comes the flood. 
<laughs> so I recognized her immediately as one of um, the rare artists that are also healers um, mm. using their, their art as, as a healing energy. Um, and so I was automatically, um, I was automatically already in love. And um, oh, wow. what, what did happen also after that, um, after all of our, you know, social encounters at the house, red wine and, and, and fried chicken and, and then singing together is that we had this amazing opportunity to be the vocal coaches for one of the biggest uh, musical theater productions ever here. And, yes. Uh, we ended up, yeah. And that was great. And we ended up doing that together. And as soon as we did that together, I was like, oh, let me find out that we could work together. Like, right. let me find out that this energy actually is also conducive to building something together. And last Crystal said, that's what we did at that apartment that I was house sitting. Um, we just over salads and some more mm-hmm. red wine, um, just put together this idea for what would become singing earth divine. And we were very surprised pretty quickly <laughs> by mm. the results. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about this singing earth divine because, um, so singing earth divine is this wonderful choir and you guys did something that's just amazing. I like to say amazing, freaking amazing. You guys took this choir. How many, how many people are in the choir? Well, we're officially 105 now. Oof. 105 people. Yeah, you, like, you that was guys, a director reaction. She said. <laughs> <laughs> you took this choir to Carnegie Hall, not once, but twice. Yeah. Now, I mean, anybody that's listening to this knows that Carnegie Hall is one of those places that people dream of playing their whole lives. And let's face it, most people will never see that. Can you tell me about that? That was a interesting project. Uh, when it first came, uh, when it first presented itself, we were invited by a group that does these performances um, because our choir had worked on a piece that was called um, Baba Yetu by a composer called Christopher Tin. Um, mm-hmm. That it was a part of a complete neoclassical work uh, called Calling All Dawns. And Crystal and I loved the song. <laughs> but there was no way we were going to do the whole work, okay? <laughs> we're like, well, let's just do this song. And then push the, the things happened, and the production saw that there was this little choir in Paris that was singing this song, and they asked us if we'd be interested in actually doing the project. We thought about it, and we decided to do it, and ended up teaching our choir over the course of five, six months, mm-hmm. um, the entire work, uh, in 12 different languages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. What were what were some of the languages? Because I only know like like a couple languages. So what was oh, we we had um did we have we had one in Japanese. Japanese. We had, we had um what what'd you say? Hebrew. Yes. We had uh an Indian language, which which was I don't Sans- remember which one. Sans- Sans- it was Sanskrit. Oh, it was Sanskrit. Sanskrit. Mm-hmm. We had one in bad French. Sorry, Christopher Ten. The French people, <laughs> the French people were like, "We don't say that." But it was in French. Oh, so they like they Frenchified it. it they 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 wrote it, but it was not checked by like a French person, so it was inaccurate. His wife is French. Uh, That's yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there there were a few errors in the French. So whenever they had to sing it on stage, they would just smile. You know what mm, I mean? Yeah. Okay. Um, Polish. Maori, yeah. Polish. Oh Lord, Polish, Polish, Polish are how you beatboxing and gasping oh, for air because it's nothing but air. It's nothing but consonants. 
Actually, (laughs) that's funny because a friend of mine named Darnie, who's like a world, he's like three-time world beatbox champion. He Mm -hmm. actually, and he's a huge uh, YouTube star. He actually does a video where he has you say Polish words and then you wind up beatboxing. It's absolutely (laughs) hilarious. I'll put that in the show notes. His name is Darnie. Uh, But yeah. But so so that's cool. So you did all these languages. It was all these people. Carnegie Hall twice, twice. Right. Yes. And what was the? Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Was and and you know it's 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 nice on paper. It's it's very nice. But I'm going to be honest about my first impressions about this, Mm -hmm. um, because we said yes, and then they sent us the score. So, and I realized, so okay. And I realized, <laughs> I was like, "Oh shucks, this, this is like fifty pages of sheet music." That I, I had never play. heard you say shucks. I <laughs> haven't either. <laughs> you, I appreciate I you keeping out. it clean for the program, but I ain't never heard you say shucks. That felt really weird. <laughs> I'm gonna have you say that from now. That's on. what I used to say in my previous life. Right. <laughs> oh the shucks, expletive was okay. I was like, so, well, dang, I'm realizing that this choir who has never seen us pull out a piece of sheet music because, ever. I mean. Because <laughs> you do everything from memory like most black church choirs yeah. do. And it's like a, it. thank you. And it's a, it's a choice because it's mm-hmm. an oral transmission of a yes. cultural phenomenon. And Crystal yes. and I decided right away and, and very early that we're not going to do a parody of something that is literally our own culture. We are going to do right. it and we're going to yes. even the way we like, do it. The mm. way that we do it. And there's a reason why. You know what I mean? Mm. And it's linked to confidence. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about all that afterwards. But I was just thinking to myself, well, does that mean I'm supposed to memorize all this music? Because I don't know if that's gonna happen. <laughs> there are eight <laughs> there are eight parts. Me and Crystal were looking at that music like, all right, well. <laughs> How much coffee did you drink at that period, Crystal? <laughs> you know, you know, okay. it was a lot, it was a lot. But uh, mm-hmm. no, but Dua killed that. He killed that because um, we organized it as such. We had our regular Tuesdays going too. Now we had our regular repertoire. They didn't. We didn't stop the show. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, I think it was like seventy plus people of the choir that came. Mm-hmm. So the majority of the choir came, but. That's not the first, you know, that's not our first priority. However, we had like five hour rehearsals. Oh, wow. on, So they had the regular Tuesday rehearsal. And then those that were going to Carnegie had an additional like five hour rehearsal. Because you had, a, you had, you had a, a mix. You had people who knew how to read mm-hmm. sheet music and read notes. And then you had people that, one lady, I looked at, she shall not be named, but we adore her. A soprano who's always dancing, Jua, and always smiling. Anyways, <laughs> I pulled her name out, the secret Santa. Anyways. I looked at it at one point, her sheet music was flipped upside, upside down. down. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> but she was, was trying. She, she was, was trying. trying. <laughs> and that was but such an amazing trying. exercise for, yeah. for, and us and the choir, for both oh us gosh. and the choir, because it, it was linked to the same thing. It's like, well, what are we going to do? We have already established a culture where this is not what these people do. Except for now, this is what mm-hmm. these people have to do. So we mm-hmm. had the supplementary step of, Teaching them how to, okay, even if you can't read the notes, right. we're going to teach you how to follow the sheet music so right. that you will at least have your 
um, your point of references. And then as the right. experience goes on, you will start to see that these points of references will become notes in your spirit, even if you don't right. know what a B flat is. Right. Once you sing it three times and you see the marking on the line, you're going to start to learn how to follow. And right. lo and behold, with the grace of God, <laughs> it works. And a lot of prayer and coffee. <laughs> okay. I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead, sorry. They're French, right? Mm-hmm. So I can say this because on paper, I'm French too. So they're French. So they like to complain. Okay. So some of them were like, oh, no, no, ça va pas être possible. Oh, my God. So we had someone <laughs> film from the beginning to the end, right? Like a sort of mini documentary. One of our choir members uh, took this task on beautifully. Mm-hmm. And it was wonderful to see it documented, to see like some of them, like the fear. They're like, I don't know how we're going to do this. Because the first few rehearsals, they're like, this is so overwhelming. And at the end, they 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 were so encouraged. They sounded amazing. And we took on an orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, we hired uh, professionals and then a couple of that were non-professional so that they could be put into that ambiance before they got to Carnegie Hall. That was something they had never experienced and we mm-hmm. hadn't done them ever. So the last few rehearsals were in a different space with the orchestra. And then we gave the actual show at the Madeleine, especially for the family members that couldn't go to New York with them. And so you could see that throughout the stages, they built confidence. But in the beginning... I can't even tell you the number of text messages, fearful, this is never going to work. What are we going to mm-hmm. do? Oh, my God. From that to, you know, the Carnegie Hall folks just congratulating us on, you know, our choir being one of the most prepared, one of the the the, the, wow. the most professional. The, the composer himself. The wow. Composer, right. So the composer he conducted, did the yeah. composer conduct? Oh, wow. Okay. So that doesn't often happen. That's really cool. No, yeah, and was, he was so impressed with our mm-hmm. choir. Like literally when our choir got there, we were literally the most prepared to the point right. where our choir was giving the example on stage during the rehearsals to the other choirs who mm-hmm. use sheet music every week. Who oh, wow. Prolific yeah. sight readers, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And for me, this was the most beautiful thing for our choir mm. to have as an experience because we're always telling to them, we're always telling them, it's not about how good you sing. It's not about how well you sing or how much talent you have, really. It's about the amount of work that you are willing to put in and the mm. amount of authenticity that you are willing to give the public. Okay, so I'm going to stop you for a second because y'all are driving me nuts, and I'll tell you why. I wrote down a list of things that I would like to eventually talk about. And in fact, every single thing that I wrote down, you've touched on. Every single thing. Let, let me read you my list. Real quick. Uh, so carry, uh, carving out your own place. So obviously, you guys are doing that by creating things that don't exist, which is actually related to my number three episode podcast, which is if you don't, if it doesn't exist, create it. So there's that. Dealing with rejection, dealing with other artists. And you already talked about what it's like to deal with American artists living in France. Um, start well, well, we'll check this out for a second and then I'll let you guys go. But starting and finishing projects when you have so many ideas. Um, Accept, how to accept jobs. And one of the things, you know, you say is like, hey, I don't even know if I want your job, you know. But, and this is what you just talked about, authenticity in the arts, you know. Um, so I, th- I think it's really funny because maybe I'm a third sister that's just missing from your group, but I live all the way down in Bordeaux. We never see each other. You ain't missing. Mean, you, you're just in Bordeaux. <laughs> well, 
To be honest with you, you know, um, I'm at an age where I've taken stock of what I've done right and wrong, what I would have liked to have done, and and the things that I want to do and, and who I want to be and with whom I want to work going forward. And it's become very clear to me that I'm not going for prestige. That doesn't interest me. I'm going for um, working with people who are like-minded, not necessarily mean that we have to agree on everything, but who have a work ethic, um, who are about authenticity, and that want to move things forward. And you are clearly these two people, you know, you're clearly people who, when you go somewhere and you do something, nobody's ever going to forget your names or your faces or your talent. And they're certainly not going to forget how you made them feel when you came into their space, into their lives. And so I really get on board with that because I think if we're putting ourselves out there, it's got to mean something more than just I'm getting a paycheck or I just want to be seen. You know, the the vanity metric type thing. It has to be more about what am I contributing to um, this space? How am I changing it for the better? You know, how's my presence going to have a positive inf- uh, infect, Lord, uh, effect on the community that I'm in? And so obviously for us, it's the singing community, the the artistic community. And I appreciate that about you guys because you guys don't, you don't have stuff. So question I have is, is there... Um, can we see that documentary somewhere? And is there a trace of also your performance on, on Carnegie at Carnegie Hall? Ah, there you are. We see you. Um, yes. The first, the answer to the first question is yes. And I can send you a link. It's on YouTube. Okay, great. Um, it's in several segments, short, like shorts, if you will. Um, and then to the answer, the second question, unfortunately, no. Oh, right, no. right, Juba for Carnegie. There, yeah. There's a whole set of protections in place, and okay. they they sent us one copy mm-hmm. of the DVD, mm-hmm. um, and we were not to replicate it. Okay, and there was a viewing amongst our choir members, you know, on a big screen and stuff like that. Okay, I believe there are there are um, like tidbits you can find on the net, but you okay. can't find the entire performance. Okay. So All right. They were two different years, but that's um yeah, that part's unfortunate. So so what is coming up for singing Earth Divine? What's the next thing? Uncle Jua? <laughs> <laughs> well, we are. It's funny because you you talked about you talked about you talked about something that is very um, pertinent in our life, uh, Crystal and I, um, having these ideas, and then having um, the time, the space, and the bandwidth, and the spiritual availability as artist creators to put it into practice, which is a panel tez, a parenthesis. I'd just like to stop and, um, and tell you how inspiring you are, because for the last Me? year and a half, you, ma'am, <laughs> Don't you ban me? You just added ten years to my life. <laughs> no, that's just that was just the, that was just what the ancestors told me to address you as. Okay, okay, in, and in I respect con- in this context the context of ultimate respect because for the last year and a half you have been grinding and you have not let go. You have been just doing it, doing it, doing it, doing your thing. I see you. I see you with your the consistency and the and, mm-hmm. the, and the creativity and how it all comes together. And uh, thank you for that inspiration. And thank you for what you're doing in the atmosphere. We need it. And it's extremely wow. inspiring. Thank, thank you so much. Thank Ditto. you. Thank, thank you. I'm going to 
learn to accept that thank you because I am so hard on myself. I am, you know, as a teacher, and I'm I'm always calling out artist behavior that's destructive and, you know, my students that come in and they're never happy and they never pat themselves on the back for a job well done. They just look at what they haven't done yet and never say, hey, I've come a long way. Well, I'm the, what do you say that? What's the saying? Um, the shoemaker with has the worst shoes. You know, I, I am that. And I am really, really hard on myself. I'm I'm learning. I'm working on it. So already being able to accept um, what you said is is a big step for me. So I do accept it and I appreciate it. There's so much work to be done, though. I guess I get so involved in seeing the mountain that has to be climbed. I don't look back and see how far that I, you know, I, I already climbed, you know. So because, you know, you, you can't get to the top if you're looking at the bottom. You have to keep looking towards the top. But sometimes you do have to stop and take a break and go, okay, wow, look how far I've come. Okay. And, but you can't stay there too long. You got to kind of keep it moving. But I really appreciate that. And being around people like you makes that easier because, you know, when I am tired, when I'm hitting a plateau and I feel like, oh, God, I can't, I don't know if I can do this. This is, it's so hard on the spirit sometimes. It's hard. You know, we obviously, as artists, we live through a looking glass. So people are, the art that we put out because we're authentic, you're seeing our cuts and bleeds in real time sometimes. Um, And so it takes a lot of us, a lot out of us to put things out there. And sometimes we do need to recoil and regroup. Um, But when I see people like you that I feel are extremely consistent in putting out quality work, putting out meaningful work, then it makes me say, girl, you better get up. You better, because the world's not going to stop turning because I'm tired or because I'm I'm having a woe is me moment. Because I'll mm-hmm. be honest with you, I have woe is me moments, but they're moments. They're not months and years. They're moments, yeah. you know, where, and I allow myself those woe is me moments because I think sometimes um, positivity can be toxic. Uh, like, everything's uh, fine. Everything's great. Everything's fine. Everything's, no, it's not. No, it's not. I'm not happy. I'm tired. I'm overworked. Things are not the way I want them to be. And so now what I do is I try to take some time and say, I'm allowed to feel bad. I'm just not allowed to stay there. Yeah. So I'm take time to feel bad. And then I'll, you know, for whatever it is I'm feeling. And then I get back up and say, okay, I roll up the sleeves and then it's just time to get back in there again. But again, seeing people like you doing what you do with consistency and touching so many people, you know, I want to like I want to be a part of that, you know. I want to I want to know people like that and be surrounded by people like that because that keeps me going. So thank you for all of that. I know that you mentioned that you have some secret projects that are going to be going to gonna be coming out for the choir. Mm-hmm. They're not quite ready to mention them yet, but please keep uh, people. Please keep your eye out for those projects with Singing Earth Divine. Are you accepting any new members at the moment? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he said he was like no. Uh, well, that's that. Usually, I would say no with a very firm no because I didn't think that we were going to fill up this fast, this mm-hmm. quickly. Which mm-hmm. we usually have a huge choir, but it usually fills up by the last trimester. Except mm-hmm. it happened 
at the very first trimester. That's never happened. And so he's right in that this trimester, it's a, it's a, it's a no. We've yeah. got our concert, like as of today, um, you know, we have our concert in 10 days, 11 days, mm-hmm. our Christmas concert. Mm-hmm. Then we will, you know, go into the, the French vacation and stuff like that. But when we come back, um, because we started doing trimester part by, by trimester versus an annual um, membership since COVID. Okay. Um, when we come back, some people may not, you know, be able to come back. And so, so we will have a few slots that open. And for those people that can't consistently come on Tuesdays, um, one of the secret projects will be uh, another we don't know what form it's going to take yet, but it could be a, a second said, a second singer divine that meets less frequently, um, okay. um, which would probably be smaller and stuff like that. So there will always be opportunities, and there's master classes as well that we give. So if they nice. can't, yeah, if they can't make uh, a commitment to come to the choir regularly, then maybe they can just come see us. You know, wonderful. And so that I'll put all that information in the uh, episode notes so that people know how to find you and get in touch with you because. Obviously, if this if there's no more room left in your choir, you're doing something right. You're touching people. People are coming back. Because the thing is, you know, making people feel good is currency. Yeah. It oh. really is currency. And it it's, has more value than gold. If you make people feel good, they will come back. You know, they will come back. This is, That's beautiful. This is, this, is, this is so beautiful. This is our, you said something, you, you quoted Maya Angelou. Um, earlier, and you you didn't know it, but that quote has been on our website since day one. You know people, <laughs> about how people don't forget how you make them feel. People will forget what what you said, you what you said. did. <laughs> they will forget mm-hmm. what you did. They will forget what happened, especially yeah. what happened. But they won't forget yeah. how they felt, and that yeah. and that's what we go towards as human beings. And that's why being an artist is important and a privilege. And yeah. That's so why connecting to your artist as a, any human being is, is important and a privilege. Um, even though we're not, um, we're, we are full, we do, um, since about two months now, uh, we've been putting our rehearsals live on Instagram. So, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Every once in a while I check in, I'm like, hey. I, I see you. You, you said, <laughs> you said, sans violence. I was like, what is she talking about? Without violence. Like, <laughs> with the warm up, I was like, oh, see, that's a t- as a teacher, she knows exactly what we talk about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, just to to wrap this up, because honestly, I could talk to you guys forever, and I know you're all busy, and so I really appreciate you taking time out of your very very busy schedules to talk to me. Um, I want to add something that uh, to me is important. It's it's really silly, actually, but this is who I am. I have two favorite words that are quirky. And whimsical. And I wonder if you could tell me which one of you is quirky and which one is whimsical. I mean, I already know, but. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Jewel, you take this one. (laughs) You said you already know. I can't wait to see what she says. Oh, Mm. that's an interesting question because those are subtle differences of Mm. a similar energy. Yeah. Oh, well, you can only choose one. You have to place it. I already. There's no right or wrong. It's just. It's just good fun. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say that uh, Crystal is quirky and I'm whimsical. Ding 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 ding! Oh my god! I was gonna say the opposite. Everybody yes. thinks that. Do you feel some kind of way about that? Well, I don't know. It's just you know what uh, you guys both have. Um, 
energies that are just, um, and, and this got to be hard for you, but you have energies that just makes people want to stick to you, like white on rice. So, and 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 I, there's a certain choir member uh, that you know. We always have choir members, one or two that just kind of like are clingy, you know. Um, but you guys have that kind of energy. People just want to be down. They're like, I, when she breathes, I just want to be there. Now, it sounds, sounds sounds stalkerish, but it really isn't that. It, it isn't that. It's that your natural energy is so uplifting. And a lot of times, I don't think people have the vocabulary to explain what that is, but they can feel it. They can feel it and see both because you both have that. And it expresses itself differently, but you both have that. So people want to naturally be around that. I've been told that I kind of have that. So it kind of makes sense that, you know, oh, uh, I find myself wanting to be a third wheel you know, <laughs> on, on, your motor, on your motorcycle. But. I was going to say that to me, um, uh, um, she's whimsical because for me, whimsical is like, it's like fairy dust. It's like, it, you know, it's like magic in your eyes. And quirky is just like, yo, Jua, I love you to death. So, and I know you're not going to take it, but I could just watch you. I could just follow you and like be a fly on the wall, have a bucket of popcorn and just watch you and just get kicks. Because you just amaze me. The, the things that you come out with, the things that come out of your mouth are things that a hundred-year-old person, you know, living in Africa would come up with. And, and I say that. And you know you know what I mean when I say that, a hundred-year-old person living in Africa. I mean, these roots go deep. You have been here before. You definitely have. You could not possibly know what you know in this little, lower life that you've had. So there's some, But it comes out in a way that if people aren't careful, they're going to miss it. You know, I think probably would, would you would you say that you're misunderstood? I, I oh, this is deep. I I will say that because for a majority of my life I felt misunderstood, I started mm-hmm. to learn how to communicate in a way that got what I needed to say across without being preachy about it. So mm. I would rather say something like. Imagine an imaginary straw that goes from the center of the earth into your mouth, then talk about breathing low from the diaphragm. <laughs> see, I, see, I say he was quirky. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to be spending the entire day trying to figure out what the hell that means. <laughs> but, but for some reason, I still love it. I don't. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what it means, but I love it, and I, I love that about you guys. Listen, I'm going to wrap this up for today. But you know what? I would really love to have you back on when some of your secret projects aren't so secret. Yeah. Then we can we can definitely talk about it on here. It has been a joy getting to talk to you and just to get a sort of a sneak peek behind the curtains into what goes into, you know, being who you are and doing what you do. You guys are very human, very, very human, but you're extraordinary. And I'm really honored uh, to be able to interview you today and to be your friends, just to know you get, to, you know, I would touch the hem of your garment. Oh, whatever. <laughs> that's the same for us. That's a figure we that's a <laughs> Oh, our amazing friend. Well, thank you. So, uh, listen, I will put all this information in the in the notes and uh, have a blessed day. Oh, thank you. Too. you thank too. you so much for this. And we, you know, that we love you. And you know, there's, it's 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 the tribes come together, and maybe physically 
they are not in the same place, but we all three of us know that things happen outside of this physical manifestation before they manifest physically. So this yes. is probably just the next step of the next step that's putting itself into place. I do have a little bit of an inkling that we'll be seeing more of each other sometime <laughs> in the near future. I love you. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Have a beautiful day, guys. You, you too. too. Bye. 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 Well, there you have it. Episode number six with Crystal Petit and Jua Amir. Uh, here are a couple of takeaways that I have for the, from this episode. The first is that rejection is not a judgment, and it goes two ways. You can also reject somebody that you don't want to work with, or rather reject the opportunity. The second thing is, to design what you put out in the atmosphere, the energy that you put out in the atmosphere is potentially transformative. So you want to make sure that what you're putting out there is authentic and it's absolutely what you're wanting to put out. Lastly, find yourself a friend, a partner in the arts that's like you, that keeps you going, that checks you on your things and that holds you down because, you know, it's a little lonely out in these uh, artistic streets. So it's great to have somebody with whom you can chalk it up with and that keeps you moving and keeps you going. So before you go off into the world and going about your business, doing whatever it is that you do, I wanted to ask you, is there anything that you'd like me to address in this program? I want this program to be a resource for you. So if there's anything that you'd like me to address, please send me an email at info at moniquebthomas.com. That's info at moniquebthomas.com. All right, go out there and be your best selves. I'll see you next year. Musically, Monique.